In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. I apologize for being a little bit late. Um, uh, as uh, we are all aware that we're about to start what? What is the big season that's coming up? The Great Fast, the Great Fast, right? Um, and in the Great Fast, of course, um, yeah, the, the focus is on repentance and confession and returning to God and um, you know, we, we go through um, this season. Um, it, it, it's a very special season. All the rites, all of the readings. Um, we have um, the the later liturgy, so that we have an ex, you know an extra opportunity to fast longer and to fast with abstinence. Um, the liturgies have their own like special um, uh, flavor to them. Uh, the focus again is all about you know repentance and confession and returning to god um, and then of course at the end of the great fast <coughs> we celebrate the holy passion week in which you remember you know the the sufferings of of the lord jesus christ um, which has its own very special right and and feeling and focus and then at the end of course we celebrate you know the the glorious resurrection with all its glory and all its happiness and joy and we we are so happy that we celebrated for like 50 days right so we fast for 55 days but then we make up for it by by not fasting and having you know a, a big party for 50 days um <clears throat> so as we are about to embark on this journey um one of the things that i i wanted us to kind of contemplate about today um is kind of the last judgment and um, we actually, um, every day in our prayers of compline, uh, in the evening prayers, um, we remember this last judgment and remember that we are, you know, about to stand before the just judge. And so um, if we read the litany of the compline prayer, um, you know, the, 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 the litanies are the prayers that are after the gospel, right? So every prayer has a gospel. Every prayer first has psalms, typically 12 psalms, and then there's a gospel reading, and then there's these prayers that are prayed, and usually there's three of them, like three three litanies or three prayers um, for most of the hours. So in the first litany of the compliant prayer, we pray and say, Behold, I'm about to stand before the just judge, trembling and exceedingly afraid on account of my many sins. For a life spent in pleasures deserves condemnation. But repent, O my soul, while you are dwelling on earth. For the dust in the grave offers no praise, and the dead remembers not, nor do they who are in Hades offer thanks. But arise from the slumber of your indolence, imploring the Savior and repenting and saying, and uh, repenting and crying out, saying, O God, have mercy on me and save me. And we pray this every night because um, typically we pray it right before we go to sleep, right? It's complying. Um, so when we sleep, you know, every time we sleep, uh, it's like a small death, right? And actually, St. Anthony said a very nice saying. He said, um, when you go to sleep at night, do you know if you're going to wake up the next day? And you, when you wake up in the morning, do you know whether you're going to go back to sleep at night? And he said, keep that in your mind and you'll never sin because you'll always think, uh, you know, at any point I could be taken, right? But especially during sleep, you know, people think more about the end of the day, so the end of the life, and, um, you know, offer repentance. Um, so we want to contemplate about this a bit today. And actually most of the what we are going to be reading are verses from the Bible. So actually, Sharif, if you would like pass around the mic to people, um, Yanni, we'll take turns reading passages and, and talking about them. So the first point that we, um, that we have to remember is it's inevitable, right? All of us are going to, Yanni, go through this, right? Nobody's exempt from death. Um, I was actually speaking with somebody um, uh, some time ago after you know my mom passed away and you know uh, he was you know uh, trying to offer some condolences and um, he said you know 
we're all going to go, right? We're all going to die. And I said, yes, we're all going to go. And so we have to prepare for it. And the only time that we are not going to go, there's only one like exception, which is if Christ comes while we're alive, right? And if Christ comes while we're alive, then we don't have to worry about dying because it's over, right? So in, in any case, um, we're all going to go before the just judge. It's inevitable that we all must stand before the just judge. So we need to prepare ourselves for it now before it's too late, right? Um, and that's the difference between the saints and the sinners. The saints always placed the judgment before their eyes, okay? Um, there's a story in, in the Desert uh, Fathers about um, a, a monk who was, you know, uh, struggling in, in, in his spiritual life. And then Satan wanted to tempt him, so he, he appeared to him in the form of an angel. And he told him, uh, blessed uh, father, um, you can rest now because you still have 50 years before you die. And so uh, the, the monk, because he was wise, he told him, 50 years? You made me very sad. I thought I had still 100 years. So now I must work even harder because I only have 50 years. And he was able to overcome Satan that way. So Satan wanted to, to, to kind of make him fall into slackness and laziness. And instead he took it and he said, oh my God, I only have 50 years. So I better hurry up and, you know, better start preparing. In the, in the conclusion of the Watts Theotokias, we, we pray saying, the martyrs will come bearing their afflictions and the righteous will come bearing their virtues. So everybody will come and he will be bearing whatever he did in his life, whether it's good or bad. So the, the, the righteous people will come bearing, like, you know, bringing with them the struggles and the virtues that they have, uh, you know, attained throughout their life and offer that before Christ. But what will the sinners do? So the sinners, they place the worldly pleasures before their eyes. And if you talk to them, they say, oh, man, you know, enjoy life, do whatever you want. You know, who knows what's going to happen? Let's just, you know, live life and things like that. They don't place eternity before their eyes. Um, and it's, it's important for us to maybe, you know, before we stand before God, before the just judge, that we stand before our conscience. Um, you all know the story of St. Macarius. Um, St. Macarius, uh, one time... Um, they caught one of the monks. Um, he was committing a sin. You, if, you probably know the story. Um, so, you know, he was committing a, a, the sin of adultery, and there was a young woman who would come into his cell, and he would, you know, sin with her. And so, you know, the monks suspected this, and then one time they, they saw her enter into his cell. So they, like, put one monk as, like, a guard in front of his cell so he, she doesn't escape. And they went and called Amba Macarius and said, come, come, we caught him now. We caught him in the act, right? There's no way that he can escape. So, of course, you know, the, the monk inside heard the noise and he figured out what, what, what was happening. So, like, he tried to figure out what to do, you know. So he had, like, a, uh, like a big um, uh, container. So he told the, the young lady to hide underneath this container. Right, so that they don't see her. And when Saint Macarius entered, um, he knew by the Spirit of God, God revealed to him. So he went and he sat on top of this container, and then he told the, the monks, "Okay, go ahead. You said that uh, you know you caught him red-handed, and go ahead and search. Let's see what you find." Right. So they searched everywhere, and of course, nobody dared to tell him, "Father, please get up so we can look under the container." Um, so then they couldn't find anything, so they left. So then he got up and he left. But before he left, he looked at the, at, uh, at the monk and he said, uh, Brother, judge yourself before they judge you. And then he left. And after he left, he heard a voice from God saying, Blessed are you, Macarius, for you became like Christ, covering the sins of others. So before we stand before the just judge and all of our you know, sins are revealed, if we judge ourselves, if we work on our own salvation, then, you know, we would, we would save ourselves from being, you know, before that fearful judgment. We say, behold, I'm about to stand before who? The just judge, okay? 
Typically, when we talk about the Lord Christ, we're talking about Christ, the loving, the tender-hearted, the Father, the forgiver, right? But in this case, we're not saying, behold, I'm about to stand before the loving Father. No, behold, I'm about to stand before the just judge. Why? Because forgiveness, the chance for forgiveness is here on earth. After we leave this earth and we go to the other place, there is no forgiveness. It's over. You know the, the parable of the ten virgins? Those, th those of you who saw the, the play that we did uh, for New Year's Eve. What happened after the bridegroom entered and he took the wise virgins with him? The door was shut, right? And then the foolish virgins came and knocked on the door. Lord, Lord, open for us. And he's like, I don't know you. It's too late. You are not ready. So there is no, there is no chance afterwards. Um, Sanchenuda, the Arch Manadrite, said something very nice, and we actually we read this homily during Holy Week on uh, Holy Thursday. He said, we will be judged twice, not only because we have sinned, but also because we, we did not repent. You know, think about this. So God will ask us about two things first thing he will ask us why did you sin okay we can we can have excuses there's there's still excuses right but then the second question is why didn't you repent so I know I know you're weak these are the excuses we're gonna come up with I am weak I fell in sin Satan deceived me all of these things you're gonna say okay why didn't you repent so that will be the second judgment we'll be judged twice not only because we sinned but because we did not repent Can somebody read this first verse? It is a fearful thing to fall in into the hands of the living God. Usually we say again that God is merciful, God is, you know, uh, gentle. But here, St. Paul says it is a fearful thing. It's, it's not something that's, that's nice. No, it's something that is fearful. Can uh, uh, the next person, Sharif, can you read the next one? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. So, there's going to be a judgment, and everybody will be rewarded according to his works. In the book of Revelation, when Christ speaks to the seven churches, or the seven angels of the seven churches, in every message, he says, he repeats the same thing, I know your works, I know your works, right? Um, can we imagine, like, if Christ comes and he says, I know your works, I know what you do. But I, like, I, I remember Pope Shenouda in one of his sermons, um, he said, if an angel was to appear in, in, this, uh, in this meeting, in this church right now, and reveal the, the, you know, the actions and the, and the thoughts and the sins of each one of you, only for the past week, not your whole life, but just for the past week, how many of you would still stay in church? And how many would, you, would, would go you know, running and, and leaving the church? So God knows everything that we do. And this is something also that we have to remember that I know your works. I know, yes, I know the good things that you do, but I also know the bad things which most people don't know. Can somebody read the next one? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Yeah, this is a very strong verse. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Again, typically when we're talking about God, God is love, God loves us, Jesus loves us, he's gentle, he's loving, and all of that is true, yes. But all of that is while we have a chance here. But once we pass from this life to the next life, then it's judgment. And now he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So we should stand before the just judge daily so that we can avoid standing before the just judge in the judgment day and having to answer for the things that we have, um, we have done. And that's why in the compliant prayer, Every day we pray and say, O oh Lord, all the sins we have committed against you in this day, whether in deed or in word or in thought 
or through all any of our senses. Please forgive and pardon us for the sake of your holy name. Every time I, I pray this prayer, um, I, I remember, especially, you know, whether indeed, yes, what are the things that I did today that, that were not, you know, uh, were not good? Or in word, what are the things that I said to people? You know, I lost my temper, I yelled at somebody. Um, uh, or in thought, maybe I didn't do something and I didn't say something, but I thought something. Or any of our senses, maybe even I looked at something uh, or touched something that I shouldn't. And all of these things, we ask God to forgive us. In the judgment, there's not going to be an, an intercessor. The, the intercessions are here on earth again. So here, we have the intercessions of the saints. Like we say, through the intercessions of the Theotokos and Mary, O Lord, forgive us the, the, uh, grant us the forgiveness of our sins. We say this here, now on earth, because we have a chance. There's a chance for intercessions. But on Judgment Day, there's no intercession. It's, you know, it's over. The, 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 the gate is shut. Somebody can read the next, um, the next uh, passage from Luke um, 16. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in, uh, in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he's comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there, from there pass to us. You, you, you may remember this parable. This is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, right? The rich man who did whatever he wanted, and uh, Lazarus, the poor guy that was sitting at his, at his gate, and he would pay no attention to him. And then they both died. Lazarus went to the paradise, to the, to the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man went to Hades. And so he was calling to him, Father Abraham, send Lazarus you know, to, to help me. Send Lazarus to do whatever. And he said, remember that in the lifetime, you did whatever you wanted, and you didn't take care of him. Now you get your judgment, and he gets the comfort. And there is no way for an intercession. That's why he told him, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. Like, it's, it's impossible. He, he cannot cross over to you to help you. The time is over. In the book of Daniel, also, there's, there's a nice passage here. He says, we have in our day, our day here being like the judgment, no prince, prophet, or leader, no burnt offering, sacrifice, oblation, or incense, no place to offer first fruits to find favor with you. So all of these means that we have today, the intercessions, the prayers, the sacrifices, the Eucharist, um, the, the teachers, the priests, all of these, all these means are available today, now. But in that day, none of these will be available. It will be too late. That's why it's very important for us to you know, keep an eye on what we are doing here and now. What do we pray in the liturgy every time? We say, according to your mercy, O Lord, and not according to our sins. Here on earth, there's a chance to repent. But on the judgment day, somebody can read the next passage. Gabby? But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it to the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. So on the judgment day, whatever we do, it will be you know, revealed, and we will be, will be judged for it. Hey, Laura, can you read the next one? But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Look at that. This is actually a very, you know, very serious and very scary verse. Um, the word you fool may be like the lightest and, and the, the, the least of the curses, right? And we say it to, to people a lot, right? Foolish person and things like that. And here the Lord said, if you just say this word, you fool, you are deserving of hellfire. So imagine all the other things that, that, that people do and how much the judgment will be. So according to our deeds, we will be judged. So we need to be doing charitable deeds 
in order to, you know, to um, fix our ways. What is the, 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 the chant that we usually chant during the great fast? Blessed. Blessed are those mm, who have mercy, right? Blessed are those who have mercy, right? This is, this is the theme of, of, of the great fast, and it's from Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, right? If we are merciful to others, then God will be merciful to us. We pray every day and we say what? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? So actually, if it, does God ever say something that he doesn't mean? Does he ever say something and he says, well, I don't really mean it like that? No, he's truthful, right? So if he says, pray saying, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So the simplest thing that we can all do is forgive each other, and then God will forgive us, right? There was uh, a story, again, in the, in the Paradise of the Fathers about a monk. Um, if, if you haven't read the Paradise of the Fathers, I, yeah, I recommend reading it. It's beautiful. You'll find many, many nice stories about, um, you know, the spiritual life. So there was this monk who lived an okay life. You know, it wasn't like, like he, he, he did what he can, and what he can was, you know, like good enough, right? He wasn't one who, like, you know, prayed for days and days and fasted for weeks and weeks or, and did tasbaha all day. No, he just did good enough, right? And then um, on his deathbed, they found him, like, smiling and very happy and, and, you know, like, very joyful. So one of the monks came to him and said, Father, like most people on their deathbed, they're, they're concerned, you know? But you're very, like, peaceful and very joyful, like, and... and and we know that your life was, you know, just okay. So what, what is your, you know, what's your secret? What's your story? And he said, yes, my brother, this is true. In, in my life, I was okay. You know, I didn't excel. I didn't do anything extra. I just, you know, did what I can. But there's one thing that I perfected, one commandment that I perfected in my life. The commandment that says, judge not and you shall not be judged. So in my life, I never judged anybody. So I am confident that God will not judge me. So the easiest thing we can do to escape judgment or to, to, you know, to, to face the judgment with peace is don't judge others and forgive others. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's what we say in the Lord's Prayer. Somebody can read the next one. Make, for make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an, ener an everlasting home. Here, when he says make friends by unrighteous mammon, he means, you know, use whatever means are available in order to make friends with God, basically. Okay? Unrighteous mammon means something that really doesn't belong to you. And actually, nothing in this world belongs to us. Because God gave us everything. So he's, God is telling us, take advantage of me. You know, make friends with the means that I have given you so that you can be accepted um, into the everlasting home. And then this is the verse that I was t telling you about that the monk, you know, went by. Judge not and, shall, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So that's the easiest thing that we, like... Many of us will say, well, I don't know how to overcome a sin. I'm struggling with the sin. Um, you know, it's really dragging me down. I, I don't know how I'm ever going to overcome it. Well, if you can't, then just try to perfect the easier way. Judge not, condemn not, and um, God will, will, will not judge you and will not condemn you. And forgive others, and God will forgive you. In the prayer, we say what? Trembling on account of my many sins. Behold, I'm about to stand before the judge, judge, uh, terrified and trembling on account of my many sins. So the advice there is to simply get rid of your many sins, <laughs> right? There is, um, 
there's a saying, a say, it's an Arabic saying, maybe you've heard it like your parents or or maybe their friends. Uh, have you heard, Makafar sayati? Makafar say literally means what? Compensating my evils. You typically, like, if, uh, if a child is giving his mother a hard time, she would say, what Makafar sayati? So actually, um, Somebody went to Pope Shenouda one time, a lady, and she told him, uh, Sayyidna, like, tell me what to do, help me. I don't know what to do. So he told her, and why do you have evils so that he can compensate for it? You know, get rid of your sayyat, get rid of your evils, and then your son won't have anything to compensate for. Um, of course, it's a play on words there, but the, the, the point he was trying to make is, there's probably something that you're doing that's not right, and God is allowing your son to give you a hard time uh, to compensate for that. So, like, fix whatever it is that you're not doing right, and God will go easy on you. Um, St. Paul says, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Uh, can, can, can you imagine, like, you know, you and your best friend, you have a fallout? Like, you, you know, you get upset at each other, Right. For whatever reason. And so you like you don't talk to each other for a while, things like that. So we do the same thing with God, right? But the, the, the funny thing is, like, among us humans, most likely, like, both parties will say, well, I'm not going to talk to him until he comes and talks to me, right? Or I'm not going to talk to her un unless she comes back and apologizes, right? With God, it's always us who are wrong, right? It's never God who's wrong. It's always us who are wrong. And yet, God is the one who's always saying, come and talk to me and I will accept you, right? Be reconciled with me. Let's, let's be friends again. Even though we are the ones who sinned, we are the ones who did the wrong, he wants us to become friends again. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. And in the book of Revelation, he talks about uh, a character, his, her name is Jezebel. And Jezebel always is a symbol of evil. But he says, I gave her time to repent, and she did not repent. So even the most evil people, God gives them a chance. That's why, you know, some people argue and say, well, you know, why does God allow evil to dwell? You know, you, there's, there's this nice man, he's godly, he goes to church, he prays, and he's got all these problems, and he's sick, and stuff like that. And then there's this other guy who's very evil, his drug dealer, whatever, and he's prosperous and he's happy and he's doing whatever he wants. This doesn't seem fair. And this is actually one of the arguments typically that, is, that, that are used with people who are trying to argue you know, for atheism, that if there was a God, then he would compensate this good man and give him good things and he would get rid of this evil man, right? But here we, we, we see the answer that... There was this evil, like the, you know, the personification of evil, this Jezebel. Like, she's evil incarnate, right? And the Lord said, I gave her a chance to repent. I gave her time to repent. That's the answer. Why doesn't God get rid of all the evil people? Because he's given them a chance to repent. And some of them will repent. Some may not, but some of them will repent. And he's waiting for those uh, to repent because they are all his children. So we continue the prayer and say, but repent, O my soul, while you are dwelling on the earth. Again, we go back to God calling us and say, return to me and I will return to you. Come back to me. I want you to come back to me. So what happens if we return? Can somebody read the next passage? Um, but if a wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed, keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him, because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Look at this. If a wicked man turns, then none of the transgressions which he have committed shall be remembered against God will for not only forgive, but he will forget that he even did them. Because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Um, you know the story of St. Moses the Strong, or St. Moses the Black, right? We are the ones that call him the Black, right? God doesn't call him Black. 
He calls him Saint Moses the Strong. He was an evil man. He was a ringleader. He was a murderer. He, he, you want to know how evil he was? Yeah, I mean, you, you can again read his stories, but one story that I read which, which stuck to me. Um, so he was uh, one time sitting a, across a lake, and on the other side of the lake, there was a shepherd. Okay? So he called to the shepherd, and he said, Give me one of your sheep. I'm hungry. And the shepherd said, No, I'm not going to give you my sheep. You're, you're, a, you're a thief. So. Moses swam across the lake, killed the shepherd, okay, took two of his sheep in his hand, put the knife in his mouth, the knife that he just killed somebody with, right, and swam back across the lake with the two sheep, you know, carrying the two sheep, and then killed the two sheep and, and had a feast. That's, that's how evil he was. That's how, you know, when we say strong, strong even in, 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 in his evilness, right? It, it didn't bother him. Like, you won't give me the sheep? Okay, fine, I'll kill you, and I'll, you know, I'll take whatever I want. But we are the ones who remember these stories, right? But God doesn't remember. In front of God, he is Saint Moses. He is the pure Saint Moses. Um, in Jeremiah, he says, For I will forgive their iniquities and their sins I will remember no more. We as humans, even if we forgive, what do we do? We do not forget, right? Like somebody can, can uh, you know, uh, have a fault against us and we reconcile and we forgive them and we're friends again, right? But if anything happens, we're like, you remember what you did 10 years ago when we were in the playground, right? 10 years ago? Right. Yeah, we don't forget. We forgive, but we don't forget. But God forgives and he forgets. He says, you know, when you repent, I will throw your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. I will not remember it anymore. Can somebody read the next one? Blessed is he who, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute in, in iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit i like this verse who does not impute iniquity does not impute iniquity that means you know the lord looks at him and he doesn't see anything bad anything impure of course this man is a sinner right because we're all sinners but here you know david is saying when his transgression is forgiven so yes he did transgress when his sin is covered, so yes, he did sin, but what the Lord does not impute in iniquity for that person. Somebody read the next one. Christ reconciling with the world to himself, not imputing their transgressions to them. Again, the same point: not imputing their transgressions to them. And this, this uh, saying, I really, really like this saying. Gabby, can you read this, uh, the saying? Blessed are you, repentance, for you have made virgins out of harlots. Very, very strong uh, saying. This is from the Desert Fathers. Repent, through repentance, a person who is seen as very, very sinful is seen as a virgin. Like, actually, like physically, this cannot happen. Like, biologically, cannot happen. In, in any, you know, in any earthly measurement, it cannot happen. But before God, it can happen. Somebody who is very, you know, sinful, when they repent, they are seen as virgins. Blessed are you, repentance, for you have made virgins out of har harlots. So all of this, you know, w w this, this final judgment is what's called the day of reaping, the day of reaping. Can somebody read the next one? Whatever a man saw that he also reap, for he's for who saw his flesh will out of the flesh reap corruption, but he who saw to the spirit will out of the spirit reaps everlasting life. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. If we re if we saw saw means to like plant, right? And reap is to like collect the fruit. 
So whatever we plant, we will reap. You know, nobody ever planted, you know, corn and they got watermelon, right? It doesn't work that way, right? You plant corn, you get corn. You plant watermelon, you get watermelon. So if we sow in the flesh, meaning that we just care about the earthly things, we just care about the flesh, then what are we going to reap? Things that are pertaining to the flesh. So if we all we do is eat and sleep and watch TV and uh, you know do all of the things that are related to the flesh, then all we will do is we'll get fat and we'll get lazy and um, you know things like that, things that are pertaining to the flesh. If we saw things that are pertaining to the spirit, so we pray and we fast and we take communion and we repent. So what are we going to reap? Things that are related to the spirit. So we'll. We'll, we'll grow in, in our spiritual life, we'll be united with God, we'll grow closer to God, we'll, we'll live in peace, things that are related to the Spirit. So whatever a man reap, saws, he will reap. So have we sawed according to the flesh or according to the Spirit? Can somebody read the next one? There is therefore no... There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Look at this. No condemnation. <laughs> this is what we want to get to, right? That's, what we, that's the aim there, that we stand before God, and God said, innocent, right? No condemnation. I don't condemn this person, because this person has lived according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. This is a longer um, one. I'll, I'll, I'll read it. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. So there, there are two kinds of books here, right? There's, there are books and there's the book of life. What are these books? These, these books are our life, everything that we've done, right? And then the book of life is the summary of what's in these books. So if our life was good, then our name would be in the book of life. If our life was not good, then our, book, our name would not be in the book of life. So the, the, the dead were judged according to their works, according to the things that are written in the books. Everything that we do is not hidden. It's written in a book. The sea gave up the dead that, uh, who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. So here, like everybody will be judged. Like nobody can hide. Even those who, are, who died in the sea or who, who are in Hades, they will all be judged. And they were judged each according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And this is the, the verse I want us to, to focus on. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So why are we doing all of this to make sure that our, our names are written in the book of life? How are our names written in the book of life? If these books that were open are empty, they're clean, right? If it's clean, then our name will be written in the book of life. If, if this book is full of writings, all of the bad things that we've done, then our names will not be in the book of life. So this day, this day of reaping, is also a day of shame. As it says, books were opened, and everything that we did will be revealed before everybody, before our friends and our family, the people who thought, what a wonderful person this was. He was a deacon. He was a Sunday school servant. He was a priest. He was a whatever. Then they will see, oh, he really was not that good. And it will be revealed before the angels and the saints. And it will be bef uh, reve revealed before God. So everything that we've done will be revealed. Like the person will be standing naked. Everybody can see everything about him. I, again, I go back to the example that Pope Shenouda said. You know, if an angel came and revealed just what we've done in the past week, how many of us would be able to stand and have people, you know, look at him in a different light? Somebody can read the next passage. 
And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the, the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath, wrath has come and who is able to stand? So again, that day everybody will be, everything will be revealed. And of course, all of those people who um, did not live a good life will want to hide because they know everything will be revealed, but they can't. They can't hide at that point. It's too late. It's a day of trembling. That's why he, uh, in the prayer we say, uh, you know, I stand trembling and exceedingly afraid. Um, who's next? Gabby, can you read the next one? Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be fug fugitive and Devubond. Who said this? Cain. Cain. After he killed his brother Abel, and he figured out that what he did was wrong, and God cast him out, so he was afraid. He was afraid because he was, he's been cast out before the face of God. That's what he said. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond. That's why he was afraid, because he understood that what he did was so bad that God cannot contend with him anymore. Um, Elora, can you read the next one? I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is also very difficult to, you know, to, to, to grasp, that the Lord stands and says, I don't know you. Get away from me, right? That's, that's what the people said, you know, Lord... We prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name. And he said, I never knew you. I, I don't know what you were doing, but you were, you were not with me. Right? Um, I'll tell you a story. It's a, it's a true story. Um, about um, there was like a youth meeting. And, um, you know, the speaker, as he was talking, so there were two youth like in the back. And they were talking and having some kind of uh, like a, a sharp discussion, maybe an argument. Um, so he told one of the servants with him, he said, you know, please tell them to like be quiet, you know. So that servant took it upon himself and he went and he told them, uh, you know, uncle is telling you to go outside, right? So he basically like, like kicked them out, right? Um, so after the meeting, the, the two youth came to him, to, to the speaker, and one of them told him, how could you kick me out of church, right? And he said, I didn't kick you out of church. And he said, yes, the servant, the, the servant that you sent kicked us out of church. And he said, well, I didn't tell him to kick you out of church. I told him to tell you to be quiet because you were making too much noise and people cannot hear. So then the, the youth took out a gun, right? <laughs> And so the, the, the speaker's like, okay, now calm down, you know, it's okay, if you want, to, you can stay in church, right? So the, the, the youth said, no, you, you don't understand. This is why, you know, I was here today. And he said, uh, what do you mean? He said, I got this gun, and I was going to go use it and kill somebody. And the other guy that was arguing with me was trying to tell me this is wrong and not to do it. And that's why we got into an argument. And he said, okay, so then, you know, what happened? He said, when I got kicked out of church, I stood there for a moment thinking, you know, I was very upset that I was ki kicked out of church. You know, nobody should be kicked out of church, but I was kicked out of church. And I was standing there thinking, if I got this upset because I was kicked out of church, if I go and do this crime, I'm going to be kicked out of heaven. So, because I, you know, even though you did not mean for me to get kicked out of church, that actually gave me the message that I better not do this because this is a bad thing and I will be kicked out of heaven. Um, in, the, in, the, in the early church, we don't observe yani this right anymore, but in the early church, there were choruses in the church. So you had 
the course of the believers at the front, these were the people who um, were baptized and they are in good standing and they attend the liturgy and they take communion. Behind the course of the believers was the course of the um, uh, prostrators. The, the course of the prostrators were people who, you know, had some small, you know, problems uh, in their spiritual life. And so there was a judgment against them that they have to kneel the whole time. Okay, but back then there were no chairs, of course. So people were standing, right? So the believers were standing. The kneelers were kneeling. Behind the course of the kneelers was the course of the listeners. The listeners were the people who needed to be instructed again. Okay, so they are believers. They're, they were baptized, but they're, they're starting to drift away. So the judgment against them now is that they attend the liturgy until, you know, the readings because they need to be instructed yet again, okay? Behind the listeners was the chorus of the catechumens. The catechumens were the people who were in the process of becoming Christians. So they spent three years learning about the church, learning about uh, the rites, the, the, the dogma, the, the hymns, the sacraments, all of these things, and then at the end of three years, they were baptized. They attended the liturgy until uh, the readings and until um, the, the, the reconciliation prayer, when the deacon would say, what, greet one another with a holy kiss, right? What is the end of that, of that response? Greet one another with a holy kiss. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mer mercy. Yea, Lord, who are Jesus Christ, the Son of God, hear us and have mercy upon us. What's the next part? Offer, offer, offer in order. With trembling. Stand with trembling. And then what's the, the last east. part? Look toward Let the us east. attend. Let us attend. What's, what has this got to do with the reconciliation prayer? Did you ever think about it? It seems like this part of the response is like out of place. It is. It's out of place because it doesn't apply anymore. Because back then, this is the time when the catechumens were leaving the church. Because they attend until that part and then they were asked to leave the church. When they leave the church, there's commotion, right? There's people getting up and putting their coats on and stuff like that and opening the doors and going out. So it's natural for the rest of these people to be doing what? Looking around and seeing who's leaving and what's this noise and all that stuff. So the deacon is saying what? Offer, offer, offer an order. Stand in order. Okay. Look towards the east. Forget about what's going on back there. Let us attend. Pay attention here. Right? Behind, so the, the catechumens were, were standing at the very back of the church. Behind them was the gate. The gate was shut after the catechumens left. Nobody entered, nobody left. Anybody who was in the church at that point was going to take communion. Outside the gate, there was something called the chorus of the weepers. Who are the weepers? The weepers were believers who had very strict judgments against them that they could not attend church. So this is not, I mean, we're all sinners, right? We all fall and get up again and go back to confession and fall and get up again and go back to confession, right? That's not, that's not wrong. But what's wrong is for somebody who is adamant in his sin, like, I know this is, this is a sin, and I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to come and confess, or I'm not going to confess, right? So then the church would put a judgment against that person and say, you cannot come into the church and you cannot take communion until you fix yourself. Is it kind of like relating to this part of the story of St. Mary of Egypt when she couldn't go inside the church? Yes, yes. Kind um, of like God is giving, uh, putting a judgment on her. In that, in, in that case, yeah, for you the, that don't know the, the, the story of St. Mary of Egypt, she was a, a harlot, and um, she, um, you know, at one point she found a ship that was going to Jerusalem, she, so she's like, okay, I'll go to Jeru Jerusalem as, as well. Of course, she didn't have any money, so she paid for it by offering her services on the boat. So even until she got to Jerusalem, she's still practicing sin. And then she got out of the boat, and she found the people walking. She walked with them, and they were walking to the church of the resurrection. So she's like, okay, I'll go with them. And when she came to the church, like something prevented her. She couldn't go inside. And she kept on trying a few times until finally she realized what she did. She repented, and then she tried, and she was able to go in. Um, 
physically, you know, those people were, were cast out of the church. And actually, this was the job of the subdeacon. So the subdeacon, his job was to prevent those people from entering the church. Or subdeacons, right? So and now we have to stand there and, you know, ask people not to go in if they have a judgment against them. Who did this? For the, again, those of you who, who may have attended the, the, the play on New Year's Eve. St. John Chrysostom. Remember the story of St. John Chrysostom and the queen? He put a judgment against her, right? And then she tried to go to the church and the deacon prevented her. That was the job of, of the deacon. Now, the, why I'm telling you all of this? I'm telling you all of this so this course of the weepers are the people who are cast outside of the church and now all they can do, <clears throat> they cannot enter the church, they cannot take communion, they cannot even see the altar. All they can do is, as the believers are entering into the church, they are weeping and lamenting and, and asking them, please pray for me. You are able to go inside the church. I cannot. Please pray on my behalf that, that God would forgive me so that I may be able to enter again into the church. That's how you know, uh, how um, important it is for us to have a connection with God. Coming to, I, I, I said this, you know, several times before in, in many different um, meetings. Coming to the church is a privilege. It's not a right. We do not have a right. Like somebody says, I have a right to be here. No, no, you don't have a right to be here. It's a privilege to be here. You, even in, in, in like the earthly kingdom, Right? Can, can any of us like go to the White House and say, I have a right to be here? No. You have to be invited. Right? You have to go through security and a whole like, big deal. Right? Back when, when there were castles, can anybody just go into the castle? No. You have to be invited by the king. You come in and you speak to the king for two three minutes, whatever he wants to talk to you about or whatever time he gives you, and then you leave. It was a privilege. It's the same thing. Except that our king is very gracious, and he gave us an open invitation. And he said, come anytime you want. I want you to come. But it doesn't mean that I abuse this, this privilege, and I just do whatever I want and say, well, God told me to come. I can come anytime I want. No. We don't, you know, we don't um, um, apply these rules and these canons today, um, but we should understand how important to this for us to have that connection and how difficult it is for to be for us to be cast out of the presence of God um, you know it's not a small thing that's why here you know um, Cain said I know what I did I'm cast out of your face I, I have become a fugitive and if we are cast out of the presence of God then where are we going to be we're going to be cast into the outer darkness. Why? Because God is light. And if we're not in the presence of light, we are in, in darkness. Um, I'm not sure whose turn it is, but somebody can read the next passage. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. So in heaven, we're going to be living in light, continuous light all the time, right? God is light. Without God, we are in darkness. Uh, that's why, you know, many of the fathers say that Hades is dark because it's in the absence of God. There's a book called Letters from, Letters from Hades. I, I read it some time ago. Um, whether, whether it's, you know, true or, or, or fictional is not the point. But there was something that, that I read in that book that kind of stuck to me. Um, so th there's this soul... That, that was cast into Hades. And it's like he's trying to figure things out. Like he's, he's a newbie and he's trying to figure things out, right? And so um, one of the things that he sees is like very, very, very far away, so, so far away, there's like, you know, a glimmer of light. There's like, you know, a, a pinpoint of light. And then, so he's, he talks to the guy that's with him who's trying to like, you know, show him around and stuff like that. And he goes... We are all, like, we're in total darkness here. How do we get to that light? And he said, you can never get to that light. You can walk as long and as far as you want, but you'll never get to that light. That light is there to show you what you are missing, but you can never get to that light. So 
If we are cast out of the presence of God, we are going to be in darkness and not in light. But the good news is <laughs> I gave you a lot of like, you know, gloom and, and uh, uh, you know, bad news about the judgment. But the good news is we are still here, right? There's still an opportunity. There's an opportunity to repent and to return to God. So that when we meet him, we are not afraid, but we are joyful. Somebody read the next one, please. I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself. That's where I am. There you may be also. Very nice that God promised us that he's going to prepare a place for us. And wherever he is, we'll be with him. This is very nice, very beautiful thought to have. And the next one, please. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself it will be with them, be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death or sorrow or crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Very, very beautiful um, thought and imagery here that, that the Lord revealed to us in Revelation that when we pass through this, you know, this struggle in the life, that we will be in the presence of God all the time. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering, nor, 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 nor sorrow, nor crying, because we will be in the presence of God. So when we you know, think about these things, um, it, it makes it easier for us to try to repent while we are here right we started this this discussion um in the litany of the compliant where we say behold i'm about to stand before the just judge terrified and trembling because of our, my many sins for life in this earth deserves condemnation yes all of that is true so what is the you know what's the solution all of the things that we said is that we get rid of these sins we try to overcome them. We try to um, do good deeds, judge not, condemn not, forgive each other. Um, try to, you know, get away from the things that are causing us sin. Um, so that, and if, even if we start to fall into sin, you know, we realize that this is going to take us away from God. So we get rid of these things and we repent and we confess. And that's what we take during the time of the great fast. It's a time of repentance, a time of confession. Um, so let us try to practice these things during this time um, so that by the time we get to the resurrection, um, we are happy, we are joyful. We, we you know, remember all of the beautiful things that we read in the book of Revelation. And so the very last verse in the book of Revelation sums everything that we want to say, which is, Amen, so come, Lord Jesus. We want the Lord to come. We are not afraid anymore. We, are, we want to be with him. Um, we want to enter into his rest. We want to enter into his light and into his glory. Um, and we want to live with him and enjoy eternal life with him. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Are there any questions? Thank you for coming and thank you for listening. Stand up for prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when God, amen. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us all here today, and thank you for letting us have a wonderful lesson that we can all apply to our lives. Please, Lord, be merciful in that last day on Judgment Day. Please, Lord, turn our hearts and prepare the ways of repent repentance so we can all come back to you and enjoy um, that Judgment Day. And we may be worthy to hear that voice of joy saying, Come to me and inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the Lord through the intercession of 
through the intercession of St. Mary and Archangel Michael and St. Paul, make us worthy to pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our trespasses as we forgive those trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen.